Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to another Friday wrap.、Um, I'm one of your co-hosts, David Shi here, and、um, it's our fantastic. I mean, the most beloved Friday segment. Where, well, I would say all three of us that we love <laughs> on the Friday segment, where we actually get together and have a bit of a yarn about what's going on、uh, in this week's financial markets,、uh, property markets, and anything investment related. So. Um, I think it's always one of the time that we get to enjoy most—a、uh, bit of a bit of a brother time together—and we actually got all three of us this week as well. By the way, no absence, no absence. Okay, so do we need to do a roll call, Jazz? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think the bigger question is who's been taking the most amount of leave here.、Uh, it's not me. <laughs> I did take it last. <laughs> He's obviously positioning himself very well by asking that question. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do a tally here, so we actually don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll we'll write it down next time. <laughs> uh, all good. And uh, and and John, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, Sydney based.、Um, in lockdown, but I, I and I've really let myself go a little bit. It's not just the、uh, COVID kilos. It's the、uh, that I've started to dress like the Blue Wiggle,、um, <laughs> in a in a just a blue skivvy, the same outfit every day. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but、uh, you know it's just survival, right? <laughs> I'm glad we're not we're not uploading videos for this one,、uh, which one day Jazz might start to. But、uh, <laughs> but Jazz, the Melbourne the Melbourne COVID situation is also starting to escalate at the moment, isn't it? It's not, which is not looking great. Yeah, we just love to follow Sydney, right? We couldn't control ourselves, so we decided to join the party, join the you game. Got to got to join the best. You got to join the best, right? So, but here's the thing: two big cities. Maybe I'm just kicking it into gear. Two big cities into lockdown, Melbourne and Sydney.、Uh, this podcast has always been passionate about property, other than everything else. Maybe let's just start with that. What does this extended lockdown means for the property market?、Uh, both of you guys, including me,、uh, we follow this, we watch this, we active in it. If this gets keeps getting extended. Like last year, what happened to Victoria? Where are we going? John? Well, let, let me have a stab at this. So, so firstly, it's fair to say that、uh, lockdowns are bad for the economy. I mean, you mentioned Sydney and Melbourne, isn't it? That's like forty percent of Australia's economy that's not producing any goods or services. So, we can we can、um, mask the impact of this through quantitative easing and money printing. Uh, and we can pretend that this doesn't impact、um, the overall economy, but from an overall perspective, when society、uh, suddenly, collectively decides to stop producing goods and services, we become poorer. And then, if you th- throw on top of that, substituting being productive with printing money, we become poorer and more unequal.、Um, so it's it's a it's a bad mix. I hope this doesn't go on for too long. I know that it's potentially quite well intentioned that we're trying to, you know, look after our health. But of course, the longer this goes, the poorer we get, and the, the worse it is. So, look, it's lockdowns are bad、uh, for the economy,、uh, and、uh, I hope it、uh, doesn't last for too much longer. So, the impact on on a couple of comments on the property market specifically. What one is there's just not the anxiety that there was last time. This is not as new as it was last time,、um, and also. We we weren't as equipped to deal with the working from home and all these things, and our, so our incomes will be less impacted, I think, 
broadly speaking, this time than it was last time because we kind of we were set up to work from home, uh, or at least a lot of industries uh, are and were. So look, it won't be as big an impact, and certainly the anxiety won't be there. But um, I'm being very general. There are a lot of people who will be extremely heavily impacted, and I don't know how you can run a restaurant in this environment. And, and um, I don't know how the hospitality industry and hotels, I don't know how they survive this. Um, so that's the first thing. Second thing from a property perspective is interest rates lower for longer. I mean, uh, the, this we've seen this globally this week, but as the Delta variant comes out, people get concerned about that. 10-year uh, treasury yield is, is way back down uh, at about 1.25%. It's slow. Interest rates are gonna be lower for longer. That's the big impact of the lockdown, that it's actually just going to prolong easy monetary policy. And easy monetary policy is the, the fuel under the fire. So lower interest rates, ultimately, the lockdown will lead, will prolong the boom. And this is not the, um, th this is going to be the unintended consequences. It's going to prolong the boom. And it's, it's a problem. Um, finally, um, lockdown is going to exacerbate the, the imbalance between demand and supply because it'll push uh, interest rates lower. It, it, it's not, and because there's less anxiety, the demand by buyers is still there. But simultaneously, sellers are going to hold back their listing until things, quote, normalise, whatever that means. So we're going to have lower supply and, and even probably higher demand or at least the same amount of demand. So it's going to exacerbate the demand and supply impact that's going to put upward pressure. Now, short term, I'm, I'm guessing it's going to take the steam out, but it's not really that the market is going down. It's that the market has stopped. It's like we, we're not going into a bad market. We're going into a non-market. We're just going into kind of uh, uh, like, like circling Heathrow. We're not kind of, we're not, um, the, the market won't be bad. It would just have stopped. So that, that, they're my key kind of takeaways. Um, it's, it's, it's a cessation of the market, not a bad market. Interest rates will be lower for longer, uh, less anxiety. So that's going to keep buyers in the game and it'll exacerbate supply and demand imbalances. Overall, this will just prolong um, the, the, the boom. That's my take. So if history was to repeat itself, is it fair to say uh, that we will see a pent-up demand once again showing up once the lockdown is fully open, which means there will be, even though we are taking the steam out of the market, uh, it's going to run hotter, maybe even hotter than last time, because there will be this pent up demand along with all the QE uh, and the asset inflation in general, which will lead to more price gains later in the year, especially during the spring summer time, if we are uh, back to COVID normal, which is things open up. Yeah, look, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. And I think I you know, totally echo what John's saying before. Basically, the you know we're, we're basically experiencing the Melbourne 2.0 lockdown, uh, like what you guys had last year, right? So um, this this could go for another month, could you know could easily or even go up to September, October, even depending on mm -hmm. how quickly we can get it under control. Um, and hopefully, you know, our, our, our lovely premier will be able to find a way just to do a focused or concentrated lockdown rather than having to lock down the whole area instead and keep the whole Australian economy suffering. Um, but on, on that note, you know, there's also been talks about um, unions pushing for JobKeeper to come back. 
at the moment, just because, you know, we're not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So how are we going to be able to keep up this? So yes, a lot of people who wanted to buy property before the, co- uh, before the COVID 2.0 has, has arrived or the Delta variant has arrived. Um, unfortunately, because of this impact, they're going to have to put that on hold, which means that demand is still there, but just they're just not financially ready at the moment. So that demand is going to continue to, to, to be there. Um, and like John pointed out, the seller is just going to, con- uh, going to basically put it on hold. And, you know, the, the, the online auctions are not, obviously not going to get the best price. Uh, so unless they're able to sell it off on a private treaty, which is, you know, meets uh, what the seller really wants, they're not going to transact. So the volume will continue to be low to that degree. Uh, the figures will continue to be strong uh, in, in that instance, because if the figure's not strong, they're not going to transact easy as that. So therefore, the, the price is still going to remain pretty, pretty strong um, and continue to rise uh, in, in that instance. So, um, but yeah, uh, just uh, it's a crazy world we live in, I've got to say, you know, they're going to continue. I think they're going to continue to print again. I'll be interested to see what the RBA's monetary policy will be next month, given the fact that last month, before Delta variant has really made a significant impact, they were going to wind back the, um, the, the money printing to about $4 bill a week, $4 billion a week. And it'll be interesting to see what happens next month. Yeah, I think I was reading an article somewhere where it was talking about that there's a high chance of us, it was Shane Oliver talking about it, I think that there was a mm-hmm. high chance of us heading into recession once again. And if the R word comes out, uh, then obviously there's going to be a lot more QE. That, that's pretty obvious to say. Uh, of course, I was gonna say that R word hasn't appeared for a while. <laughs> Since, uh, I can't even recall when's the last time you used it, Jazz. <laughs> so it's obviously a good I, I get nervous using it. <laughs> oh, we all do. We all do. We all do. But uh, what are your thoughts, Jazz? What do you reckon about the property lockdown? Yeah. lockdown. Yes. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm of the opinion. I think history is going to repeat over here. Mm. Uh, pretty much what you said, David. Echoing your thoughts on that. It's there's going to be more QE, obviously, job keeper, job seeker, job maker, whatever it is, some form of payment will come out once again. I mean, we're talking about the good chunk of the economy here, Melbourne and Sydney, right? That's more than 50% of the economy, I, I'm assuming it's fair to say. When you talk about more than 50% of the economy, those things are going to come back. And if it does, um, it all goes back to the same talk of asset inflation, right? So mm-hmm. when, when that happens, maybe there will be a temporary steam out of the market. We, we saw that uh, kind of thing what happened last year as well. But as soon as things start to open up again with the, with the new currency in circulation, um, things will start to heat up again. I think the thing that we do need to be wary of or be cautious of is the damage it's going to cause to the small businesses, right? Um, and what's the domino domino effect of that? Uh, but it's just history repeating itself to some extent. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, you know, this it, it's just going to exacerbate the differences between the wealthy and the and, and the poor even further. Um, you know, when when we thought it was already exacerbated in 2020 with the first COVID lockdown and now it's going to, you know, like John said, the interest rate is going to be lower for longer, the fuel is going to be longer and therefore the, the asset prices and across all asset prices, I think we're not, not just talking about property in general, but, you know, we'll be talking about commodities, the, um, the cryptocurrencies and 
um, anything that you name it, anything that people can make money out of it will essentially inflate uh, over a longer period of, uh, of time. So, but speaking of... So sorry. Just on that, sorry, just on yeah, the experts, I think we talked it last week and the week before as well. It's not about interest rates going up. Mm-hmm. It's more about, are we going to go negative from here? <laughs> so yeah. that, that is the question, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not ruling out that the rates can't go up. Not Surely not in the near future. That that I am fairly confident on personally, but that doesn't mean I'm right. But it's more, what are the chances of it going negative? Like in parts of your becomes the question. Well, there's so there's so many excess reserves around. The banks have so much cash rattling around that they have to lend it out. And one of the only ways they'll be able to do that is if interest rates drop again to increase demand for the reserves that they have. So they so you guys as mortgage brokers will actually be the canary in the coal mine when you start to see fixed rate mortgages for 1.8 and 1.75. That's when you kind of know that the property market's gone as far as it can go at the prevailing rate and that they're trying to give it a little kick along. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Well, interesting that you mentioned that, that there's so much money sloshing around, uh, which brings us to the next thing that was on the list. That is the, we saw reverse repo happen for the last month and also Wells Fargo, which is a bank in the US, stopping personal lines of credit what do you make of that along with all this money that is sloshing into the system? Well, I think just before, I guess, before we jump into that, uh, I mean, for like a, a dummy like me, you know, a, a reverse repo is probably a new word for some of our listeners. Perhaps it's better off for us to start off with that. What is, what does a reverse repo mean? So in 2020, which is last year, we saw was repo operations that were being conducted, which is the repurchase of the uh, treasury bills and all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which was to basically insert the money into the system, fresh currency into the system. Uh, and obviously we saw the impact of that within the asset prices and all that we always discuss, right? So reverse repo is essentially the exact opposite of that, which is this time all the commercial banks are parking their money with the central banks, which means they don't want to lend this money out in the market. And an easier way to explain that is probably looking at the example of Wells Fargo, which have stopped the personal lines of credit for pretty much everyone, right? That happened over the last few weeks. So this last year was about injecting the money into the system. This year we saw the reverse repo happen, right? And along with that personal line of credit and also the bond yields dropping further. So together, three of them, Tell a story. Now, what is the story is what we're trying to trying to work out over here, I guess. Yeah, I'd just add, just for the listeners, the repo market, it's exactly what Jess said. It's where they park excess reserves. But the other thing to know about the repo market, it's where they park excess reserves for 24 hours or 48 hours. It's like an overnight thing. So it's, um, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that's an important part of it as well. So very short term. Very short, very, very short term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe John, do you want to get started on that with what? Yeah. Early thoughts. Oh, look. Uh, so there are two. So the markets have been really volatile this week, and I think there are two things happening right now. And this is 
I mean, this is why we get out of bed in the morning. This is interesting stuff. So, that, so we, you know, not that we're particularly interested in the stock market. The stock market was down 700 points at the beginning of the week. Um, everyone was saying, is this the crash? But it spent the rest of the week clawing all that back. Bond yields plummeted, which means there was a rush to safety. Uh, gold and silver got whacked, and, the, and so did cryptos, and they spent the rest of the week coming back as well. So really, really volatile, particularly at the beginning of the week. Two things, in my opinion, have been driving this. The first thing is just a, um, a fair play, right? Delta variant, are we going back into lockdown globally? Uh, all, all those sorts of things. Actually, sorry, I didn't mention oil price got whacked, uh, got whacked at the beginning of the week. But the first thing is fear, fear of the Delta uh, variant, fear of... Um, fear of lockdowns, fear of a stop of production, all those sorts of things. Obviously, we're going through these things in Sydney, Sydney at the moment, but um, I'm referring more to, to global fear. The other thing that's happening at the moment, which really isn't on the radar um, in the, the media that I'm reading, but it's that the, in the US, uh, America reaches its two-year debt ceiling on the 31st of July, which means potentially all of the QE, all of the borrowing, all the debt, all the spending, all the stimulus packages have to stop unless they can get through their, uh, their Congress um, an extension of the, of the debt ceiling. Now, uh, then it, it, it throws the economy into the arms of the politician. You, you'll probably have some Republicans uh, saying that they don't want, to, um, don't want to extend the debt ceiling and uh, then you'll, you'll, you'll get other people wanting to extend it. They have to extend it. They will extend it. But it's like, what does that process look like? Uh, and and uh, that's going to be other things. So the reason there's been a big explosion in the repo market is that the Treasury, so the repo markets with the Fed, the Treasury is trying to dwindle its reserves ahead of the, the debt ceiling on the 31st. So they're, they're leaving all this money with the Fed to try to get their own balances down. That's, that's what's happening. And the way it sort of ties into... Uh, Wells Fargo and the and stopping the lines of credit. That, that's less clear to me. I'm not exactly sure, but my guess is that um, with all this debt in the system, everyone's been lending. You, you know, everyone who wants to buy uh, get money to buy a property has been. You know, there, there's interest rates low enough to, to cater for everyone. It's possible that um, we're getting to the end of that process where there's so much debt, asset prices have gone up. And that people aren't as creditworthy as they used to be, or at least no one's as creditworthy at, um, at average house prices at two million compared to one million. So the banks might be starting to say, "Okay, I'm not going to lend to individuals as much, but we still have to lend to someone. We're going to lend to institutions, and it's going to be depriving credit from small businesses, individuals who want to buy property, and it's going to be making debt available to." larger banks, institutions, and all that sort of stuff. Now, this is always what happens when uh, governments and central banks uh, get involved in big stimulus projects that eventually it crowds out the small guy because they can't, um, th their credit worthiness runs out first. And at, by the end of a big credit expansion, the only people who you want to lend to are big corporates, big Wall Street, and so on, because no one else can afford it. Um, so, just the final thing, um, I actually don't know what all this means, so we're, we're speculating, but the, the debt ceiling has definitely got something to do with it. Um, but what I would say is that the repo market is always considered 
a canary in the coal mine for when stuff goes bad a couple of months later. So just to your point, something could be cooking. No idea what it is, but st stuff is, you know, plates are shifting and things are happening. And I'm guessing that it's got to do with the, um, the debt ceiling. Mm -hmm. Mostly agree with you, John, on that. On top of that, the only other thing that I like to add is whether other banks actually worried about lending the money into the markets uh, with the debt ceiling coming to an end, uh, which means it needs to be reissued, refinanced, whatever the right term for it is. Uh, are they trying to see how this plays out before uh, before lending any money into the into the market, basically for the for small businesses, personal lines, and all that stuff? So it's an interesting space to watch. I think because uh, every time the word repo or the reverse repo gets used one or the other thing happens. Now, we did see a minor crash, not minor crash, correction in the market, not a crash correction, but uh, that's normal. However, is it normal? Don't know. I'm Even I'm speculating, but it's just, there's this, when you talk about macro, this is the macro, right? So this, this is the macro macro. So a space to watch, I think, closely over the next few months to see uh, what happens over there. Uh, but it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, they, they've, if you can imagine the banks are like, um, this is a terrible analogy, but the banks are like uh, Scrooge McDuck um, diving into a pool of cash and they've got to lend it out to someone. But after sort of such a long period of time of um, asset uh, inflation and government deficits, they're running out of people to lend the money to that are credit worthy. So in the end, the only person that's going to be left that, that you, you're going to want to lend to is going to be the government. And so the government is going to need to run deficits so that the banks have someone to lend to. Otherwise, they've got this big room of Scrooge McDuck's cash. Mm -hmm. They're not going to have anyone to lend to unless the government keeps running deficits. Mm -hmm. So it the goes government's to going to be obliged to run deficits. Mm -hmm. So this goes back to the same point of uh, with the QE that is being done. Um, and all that stuff, asset prices rising in general, it's more the productive, there is no real productivity in the system, right? When there is no real productivity in the system, especially to the scale that we are talking here with COVID and all, uh, which majority of the businesses, small businesses uh, being impacted, doesn't matter what country you look at, uh, it's the banks will be a little bit nervous of lending the money, which means there comes the helicopter money, which is your which is what David was mentioning before, JobKeeper, Seeker, uh, whatever they call it in the US, I forgot the name for it. Uh, but I think that's what it's pointing to all that, uh, even though central banks may want to lend the money to the, to the markets, but the commercial banks are scared. They're like, not at this point. So we're gonna park it back and see how things work out over the next couple of months. And, and then, uh, whatever happens, I guess. So according to, I know that you guys have all been following my reading of the book, The Bitcoin Standard. I did finish it a couple of weeks ago, but so according to that book, the, the, the source of the problem is how we define GDP. So he would say that the problem is that we overly aggregate the, our economic um, indicators. So we have income equals total spending plus total government spending plus total investment uh, and uh, plus what exports minus imports, right? So 
too many aggregates, too many totals. And so when the economy takes a nosedive, the government wants to step in with its own government spending to keep GDP higher. The problem is that doesn't increase our standard of living, that just increases total spending. And if you're measuring your economy by total spending, um, you can always have enough spending to get your GDP up. The problem is our standard of living has fallen. And that, that's the key. We have to stop measuring our economy via GDP because there's always going to be an excuse to crank up the G, which is the government spending. Even if that means a lower standard of living, our GDP measure will be high enough. So, yeah, we've got to get away from measuring total spending. It doesn't, it doesn't tell us how, how well we live. But that's going to be a fundamental shift, though. It's not going to happen yeah. overnight. I guess, you know, is there, would there be a trigger point at some point in time where people go, okay, well, we can't measure for GDP again. We need to come up with a new metric. And when would that, I guess, the point of realisation is going to be? That's a very interesting question, David. Uh, but I'm going to take it in a little different direction to try and answer it. Yeah. I think what's changing underneath is the, the base layer on which the tranches of financial system is being built. If you remember, I think we did discuss this on the podcast a couple of months ago, that how Ray Dalio came out and talked about that bonds are not the safe heaven anymore. And bonds is the base layer of the system, right? And in parallel to that, we see is a currency that is being, or asset, I don't know what you want to call it, speculative asset, which is Bitcoin, the Bitcoin standard that uh, John's talking about, being uh, getting so populated into the system over time and so decentralized that there's no central throat to hold, basically. There's, there's no way you can choke it. Uh, I think there's few forces in play over here, but it's the it's something we have talked about again before. Where there's, it's the it's the end of the era or the financial system that we are seeing, uh, and as that happens, uh, things will change. Uh, along with the bond market and the repo, I think I think repo, reverse repo, the bond market. Along with that, I'll add one more thing, and people may call me crazy. Is the Bitcoin, these four things are becoming the canary in the coal mine, basically. Everything, anything that's happening is revolving around this space, right? So, uh, but I won't rule it out. I think, I think um, with all these, when we see these public companies or when we see these countries like El Salvador, even though small country, talking about making it a legal tender and all that stuff, uh, there's, there's a lot more happening, cooking behind the scenes. And, and if you, you really want to mix the soup up, bring COVID into, the, COVID into the mixture as well. Well, even if Bitcoin's not the answer, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin phenomenon represents the market searching for an alternative monetary system. And even if it doesn't end up being Bitcoin and we figure something else out in 10 years, that's not the point. The point is there's this kind of this underlying uh, concern that that the um, US dollar system is has become corrupt. 
some, something along those lines. And so we're, we're you know, the, the, the gold standard seems antiquated. Um, Bitcoin could potentially be the answer, but it may not be. But that's not the point. The point is that we're looking for alternatives now. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see where the market takes us. Well, it's not just the U.S. currency or the dollar system that is the issue. I mean, if you look at ECB, ECB printed the most amount of money in the last year or so. Like it's literally a hockey stick. Mm. Uh, uh, it's the coordinated effort among all the central banks. Uh, it's US is, US is just the uh, reserve. So it gets yeah. noticed a lot more. But if you look at the other central banks like ECB, which is a big one, uh, it's a hockey stick. Well, that's why they say become your own central bank. So you've got to figure out what you want your reserve to be for your for your family. You know, you, you need to you need to think about um, your own finances in terms of like a pyramid. And uh, down the bottom, you've got like an anchor. It could be real estate, could be gold, it could be could be cash in the bank. And then you go up to these less liquid markets, like a like a pyramid. But um, you just have to f- figure out what um, what you know how to be your own central bank. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, take take control of your own finances is essentially the point over here, which is where the real estate is a fancy one. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be a new term, John. Uh, be your own central bank in uh, in <laughs> in the twenty twenty ones, isn't it? So isn't that what Bitcoin is? It's always been yeah. yeah it's that people want to take control of their own money, right? So yeah. it's gold stack is it's almost your your own central bank with Bitcoin and then Ethereum. Likes of Ethereum is like the yeah. the middle banks, whether it's Wells Fargo or whatever in Australia. Yeah. I mean, the concept of being your own central bank is, let's say I've got $100 worth of gold. That means I can now borrow $200 worth of money, currency. And so it's like, how do you stack wealth upon wealth um, and, and make it multiply? But what's the, what's the uh, collateral at the bottom? That's, that's, how you, that's how you need to think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which in the past used to be, I mean, I'm not talking at an individual level, but more at a macro level, in the past, it used to be bonds, right? Yeah, that's right. But that world is changing now and changing fast. So uh, it's just a space to watch. It's it's becoming interesting day by day, especially with the new variant. We all hate COVID, but looking at from the eyes of a financial perspective uh, and trying to understand how this whole system is jammed together and uh, how many leakages are there in different parts of that system, it's just becoming fascinating. I think I think COVID's taught a lot uh, to the people who are interest, interested in this industry, in the in the financial industry, which is where we, uh, or in the as an investor, I think it's taught a lot. That's yeah. true. Yeah, certainly, certainly accelerated the change a lot faster, and you know, I guess um, probably a few decades down the track, people will see COVID as a initial catalyst to the whole changing of financial system. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. And, and when you see likes of Dell, you're talking about bonds are not the safe haven, cash is trash, uh, George Soros, Drunken Miller. It all tells you the same same thing, that, that the, the system is too fragile right now. And uh, you need to look at different options to make yourself 
feel secure and be secure uh, and don't be too overexposed to the current system. That doesn't mean Bitcoin is the answer. I mean, Bitcoin is just, we're talking in general, or that doesn't mean any of these cryptocurrencies is the answer. It is just fascinating to watch how it's becoming part of the bigger picture. Anything else? No, it was good. Uh, I got, uh, look, I thought it would be good to finish on a bit of a positive note uh, as well. Back to property again. Well, we made uh, it all this time. <laughs> oh, look, it's a bit of a dark magic discussion that we had there, isn't it? Because there was a lot of speculation about what the future is going to be like. There was a lot of talk about the standard of living is going to drop, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. But I thought, yeah, you know what? That's, that's come back to a bit of reality. Look, if, um, if, you, if you can face the future, then you can make your future better. Oh, yeah. If, oh, if, you, if you run away from it, you got to run away from the life. Oh, that's always true. Um, but, uh, anyway, so Brisbane has won the Olympics for 2032, mm-hmm. which is really exciting news for Australia. Um, and for everyone who owns property in Brisbane, someone's laughing here. Jazz, <laughs> do you still own property in Brisbane? <laughs> David, you own more than <laughs> Hey, I'm, I'm going to move to Brisbane. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. When, when are you going to move there? I don't know. I'm just teasing, man. One I've day. got one. I've got one of my Logan properties coming up for rent. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I can give you a mate's price. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> I'm only kidding, man. I'm only kidding. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's really good news. I think it's going to help exacerbate the um, uh, the infrastructure, the population um, side of things in Brisbane. So for all those uh, people who have invested in Brisbane. Everyone has been waiting and waiting. And I know we're finally starting to see some green shoots coming up. And, uh, you know, Brisbane has gone uh, pretty good, has, has had significant improvements in terms of prices. Um, and I think it's going to be the golden decade is what they call it for the next 10 years, all the way up to 2032. So um, keep holding it out there. But, um, and well done in Brisbane in terms of winning that Olympics. I think it's, uh, it's, another, mm. it's another milestone for Australia. Awesome. Awesome. That, that's good. But to the listeners, it's always the same thing. Uh, none of this is financial advice. Do your own research. Don't over leverage. Play safe, stay safe. And we'll see you guys next Friday with the hot topics of that week. <laughs> Cheers, John, Jazz, and David. <laughs>